Eagles fans, this is Mike Kay from NJ Advance Media, and welcome to the No Huddle Show podcast, where we discuss anything and everything Philadelphia Eagles. You can read our content on nj.com slash eagles, bookmark that, and you can subscribe to our exclusive Eagles Insider Tech Service, where we'll break news, give you insider observations, and provide in-depth analysis. Through Eagles Extra, you can send questions and comments directly to us, and we'll respond to your phone. With me today, as always, is my fellow Eagles beat reporter, Chris Franklin. Today we're going to discuss the Eagles' injuries, or lack thereof, week one roster thoughts, and we'll preview the opener against the Falcons. Chris, that was a lot to say in a short span. How are you doing today? <laughs> Not bad, man. Not bad. We're recording this on a Friday and can't believe it's two days away, man, to kickoff. It's, it's looking forward to it. And how's your Friday going? Eh, you know, I had my coffee. I upset my wife because I didn't get her text order for for Duncan. So, uh, oh no, we're no, off. No. We're off to a rough start. But you know what? Hey, <laughs> you know what? It's Atlanta week. You and I are going to be flying to Atlanta, where I've heard players play uh, <laughs> uh, on I don't Saturday. Mean I don't mean to interrupt, but that video you posted of that, of that mix up with you in the video, man. Now, bravo. Bravo. <laughs> I, I, that's a former coworker of mine, Tim. So my, in case you didn't see the, the tweet, um, my first live when I, when I covered the Jaguars, I worked for a TV station. So I was a beat writer for a TV station. I know that sounds weird, but whatever, roll with it. So my first live shot ever was a preseason game in Atlanta and I was like, you know what? Screw it. I I couldn't find my like intro, and I just said, "Hey guys, welcome to Atlanta, where the players play." Just like to kind of, as a joke to myself, I like doing that type of stuff. Like I've had segments where we try to fit as many Foo Fighters song titles as possible into a segment without people without messing up the analysis. Anyway, so my my friend Tim, who was an editor and a photographer, uh, edited it with Jermaine Dupree and. Uh, who else is uh, who else is in that? Well, anyway, uh, you know, welcome to Atlanta, where the players play. Blah blah blah. So he spliced it in, um, and you can find that on Twitter. But anyway, <clears throat> um, <laughs> look, I, I think we need Sorry. to get into this right away. Um, the national media has this assumption that the Eagles have like the worst roster in the league, and that they're going to win two or three games. And look, obviously we as local beat reporters are going to have an understanding of the team that other people don't, but I I'm kind of like perplexed as to the logic of this team having such a bad roster, because you and I know as, as kind of football traditionalists that having a great offensive line, a great defensive line typically leads to wins. They can make up for poor secondary play. They can make up for quarterback or running back play the Eagles, in my opinion, have a top five offensive line. They have a top five defensive line. Typically, when you win in the trenches, you win ball games. So what's your overall thoughts on this roster? I, I look, I there don't get me wrong. I, I don't think this is a great roster. I don't even know if it's a good roster, but I do think it's a middling roster when you look at the landscape of the league. Um, as, as we saw last night with with the Buccaneers. Every team's one cornerback injury away from from being toast in the secondary. Um, so I think like this perception that the Eagles have this like god awful roster is ridiculous. When you have stuff like, um, you know, when you have stuff like, 
not stuff, but when you have players like Jason Kelsey, Fletcher Cox, or Javon Hargrave, Josh Sweat, Derek Barnett, Lane Johnson, Isaac Samalu, Jordan Melata, Brandon Brooks, Miles Sanders, the upside of Devontae Smith, um, and so on and so forth. I just don't know how you could say this is like a bottom roster. Uh, what's your take on the roster, Chris? I don't think it's a bottom roster either. I think when you look, I think a good uh, the offensive lines. I think if you have a really good one, you can gain a second to throw the ball. I think when you have a bad one, you you uh, a really good uh, defensive line, you force the offense, you take a second off the opposing offense. I think they have that both sides. To me, I look at this roster as a whole overall. I think of it like a house where you have the outside, you have the you have the exterior all done. I just think they need to go ahead and find the right furniture, find the right move, like how to fill the rooms. They have a good basis here. And now it's just incumbent to see a lot of these young guys develop. I, I think if you could find that you have these guys, if Devonta Smith, if you have Kenny Gainwell, if Milton Williams, and then you have the guys from last year, like Jalen Rager, if these guys and, and Jalen Hurts, if you have these guys develop and even play three quarters of their potential, have, like three quarters of their potential and projected to be, I think you have something that you can build on for the future and be one of the top five, six, uh, top four or five teams in the conference. So I think they have the right stuff there. It's a matter of seeing it's going to be incumbent on his coaching staff to make sure they develop these players and make sure they get the most out of them. Yeah, I think I think a lot of – I think there's two reasons why national media feels the way it does, um, if I can rationalize. One, we obviously know that everybody has been kind of – trained to realize that the quarterback position is the straw that stirs the drink. Like essentially if you have bad quarterback play, you're not going to win. And I think Jalen Hurts showed a lot of potential last year. He also made a lot of mistakes, wasn't extremely accurate either. So there's a sense of, Hey, this guy's unproven. Hey, this guy wasn't really a prolific passer in college despite his success. So there's, there's concern there. And then also, I think there we've, we've, as a society, we've been conditioned to believe that unproven equals unprepared. Um, so, like, this wide receiver group is extremely unproven, but their upside's tremendous. So, like, there's wiggle room to feel like, yikes. Like, it's easy to look at the, the Eagles roster and shrug off the wide receiver position. Then you also look at what, Devontae Smith did against the best talent in the country in college, you know, scoring, uh, scoring 23 touchdowns and and gaining over 1800 yards. So it it just depends on how you feel about his upside and how quickly he can deliver. I think there's a lot of unknowns at linebacker. There's unknowns at um, with Jordan Melata. We haven't seen him do it for an entire season at left tackle. Um, you know, there are questions and concerns about Miles Sanders being a feature back. There are questions and concerns about Kenny Gainwell. Can he really be a key part of this offense? So, like, I get that. But in a sense, when you dismiss unproven like that, then you should take the same approach with somebody like Trevor Lawrence. You should take the same approach with somebody like Zach Wilson. You should take the same approach with somebody like... Uh, Penny Sewell, like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I feel like there's this rush to um, devalue potential 
for some positions and for some players when there isn't for others. Does that make sense? It could be one of those things where when you look at those guys like Lawrence and Wilson, they're like the shiny new toy that everybody's seeing that everybody, it's a top of mind. A draft just happened and there's more upside. And he had a guy like Hertz who came in the last four games of se- four games of season where he's replacing – I think everybody was still trying to digest a whole Wentz change that was going on even though Wentz was not playing as well as he could. So I think that was part of it. But I, 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 I get where you're going. At. I, I think it's more of a sense that – Okay, you're looking at they're trying to find the one person who they get the the name brand guy that they can go ahead and pin pin their the season or say okay this is the guy who's can be like the well known person in the league that can be featured on the vignettes and everything you you don't have you don't know for sure if the Hertz or Sanders or any of these guys can do that so that's where I think a lot of national guys are going oh well we don't see Aaron Rodgers oh we don't see Russell Wilson all right uh, I guess they're not going to be that great. And you go from there. So I think it's a little bit of that mixed in as well, too. Yeah, I mean, I, let's talk about Jalen Hurts, right? So he, he's been the guy all offseason. He's had the ability to run this offense. He was named a captain uh, along with Jason Kelsey, Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, Rodney McLeod, and Alex Singleton um, this week. And I think... Getting that captaincy is big. Like Tua uh, Tagovailoa did not get that captain patch with the Dolphins. The same guy who, you know, displaced uh, Jalen at Alabama. So I think when you look at Jalen, look off the field, he has every intangible possible. But then when you get on the field. Something I've said to you privately is when you have a mobile quarterback who's unproven, weird stuff can happen, even if it's just for a season, especially when you have a new play caller in place, right? Um, We saw what Dak Prescott was able to do as a rookie uh, and as a second-year player. And I think I wouldn't compare Jalen's skill set to Dak's exactly, But I think sometimes when you have a guy who has mobility, right, and who can throw the football, but you're playing in an offense that's creative, talent level can sometimes be boosted, if that makes sense. Um, I I think, you know, Ryan Tannehill had some years in Miami. I know it, it was an overall failure, but he had some years in Miami where he looked really good. Blake Bortles, his mobility helped him during some years in Jacksonville. If you have guys that can throw the ball downfield, have no fear, can move around the pocket, you have speed on the outside like the Eagles do, weird stuff can happen. And that's kind of where I'm at. You you tracked him all throughout the summer. Tell me what your overall assessment of Jalen Hurts as QB1 has been throughout the summer. Well, I think he started – He, he... He improved. He, I think that arc, if you had to go in and like put it like actual graphic, I think it went up as it improved, especially in the accuracy part. And I don't know if he was trying some different things or trying to work on different uh, launch angles for throwing the ball and throwing off back foot. You see the quarterbacks do that with, with Brian Johnson, but it just looked like as the summer progressed, his technique and his fundamentals, his motion, his it wasn't a lot of wasted motion. He was stepping into throws. And it looked a lot better. And I see when I look his his decision making. I think when the run, the only thing I think I see is a uh, and it's a tough split second. The only thing I would probably see is I want to see him improve with it. Like he he he's still working on that. Is when to run and when not to run. 
and letting allowing routes to develop a little more like for maybe like a split second. And it's tough because when you have a skill set like he does and is able to run the ball, you, you kind of want to see, you know, you're probably, you may get three, four yards of the pop, but I, I want to see, he, he still has to work on letting his routes develop. So instead of trading on, staying on the ground, getting three, four yards, maybe 10, letting the routes develop so he can get 15, 20 yards down the field to his wide receivers who can, who are fast and can make some plays after the catch and getting back to what you said about the uh, leadership role, I thought it was more telling that Tua wasn't named the captain as opposed to Hertz being a captain, because it just seems like whenever you have the quarterback, a uh, quarterback, they're automatically going to be the captain. It just seems so it's like, like eight times, nine times out of 10. That'll be ha- that would happen. And the fact that Tua was, and I know they had a different process, but in allowing the, like basically having people volunteer and stuff. But I thought that was more telling than the fact, because then the, than Hurts being named one. That's personally, I think, like, in my opinion, when it, when it kind of came to that thing. Yeah, I think that volunteer thing's kind of lame. Like, imagine being like, yeah, I want to be everybody's leader. You know what I mean? Here's why <laughs> I should be. You know, it's kind of like running for class president, I guess. So in, in yeah. that sense, whatever. But uh, good for Matt Collins. Anyway, um, <laughs> so let's talk about the wide receiver position. A lot of us in the media thought that they would keep six. They ended up keeping five. Um, fans have been kind of perturbed about that fifth wide receiver, JJ Arcega Whiteside. Um, I've got a story coming out Sunday about Arcega Whiteside and Rager. Um, but like everything I've heard internally is they were like extremely impressed by his Jets week, not just the preseason game, but the week of practice. Uh, I've spoken to people within the, uh, you know, around and within the organization who were impressed by his summer. Um, but I can tell you that Jets week is what made him secure, helped him secure his spot on this team over Travis Fulgham, over John Hightower. Um, I think having a new staff kind of gave him a fresh start. It also gave Jalen Rager a fresh start. We, we talked to Jalen Rager Yesterday, Rager seems to be in a really good space mentally. I've spoken to people around him who have also said they've noticed a change in him. Um, he's just very, he's just very focused on his job this year. Um, but I want to get back to our single white side. I asked Shane Steichen about what he brought to the table. Um, they seem to be really enthusiastic about his effort, which is something he said that he really wanted to focus on as opposed to his errors. Uh, this summer. And it seems like that's worked out. He's also given a lot of effort on special teams. Michael Clay uh, praised him as well. He thought he did a phenomenal job this off season. So while I don't think JJ or single white ever going to live up to his second round draft pick, eventually that can't matter, right? Like, yes, it was a wasted opportunity, but eventually you got to move on. I, I know that's hard for fans to hear, but like if he can contribute in some area, you know, I mean, Nelson Aguilar went out and had a great playoff run during the Super Bowl run. I don't think people are hung up on him being a first round pick anymore, right? I'm not saying that's what J.J. Arcega-Whiteside is, but he is kind of, you know, one of these things is not like the other. You know, you've got a bunch of speed in that room. Arcega-Whiteside's more of a jump ball enthusiast. He's he's a guy who can play on special teams. He's a very good blocker. He can fill out a role here. What's your take on the wide receiver room as a whole? I know I talked about Devontae Smith and Jalen Rager. Uh, talk to me about Quez Watkins. Talk to me about what Greg Ward can do. Talk to me about this entire group. 
Well, I think when you look at Greg Ward, I'll start with Greg Ward and work, and work way younger. And who's hard to believe he's actually the the old man in the room. <laughs> but when you look at when you look at, I think he's the guy who you can have to operate the middle of the field if they go four or five wide receivers because that role of trying to occupy the safeties and linebackers stuff that's ultimately going to fall on Zachers and Dallas Goddard. But you, if they decide they want to stretch out the field and have Ward, basically, I think that's Ward's role. Just hey. Get to the sticks, find the soft area of the zone, catch the ball. Okay, you're you're done. Get off the field. Like, and that's good for it. What he is, that's not nothing wrong with that at all. When I look at Watkins, I see a guy who has. I like what he's turned into. I mean, we didn't see much of him early on last year because of the because of his injuries, but he's really shown that he can not only play, not only just run that go route. He's starting to develop some of his stuff in the middle, like moving across the field. And I like how he's sometimes getting off the ball and avoiding jams and trying to get open. So I like what I've seen out of that as well, too. When it comes to our Sega white side, I think you had to, you, you can't have, you can't have, it'd be nice to have like all five guys, uh, five guys on the field, wide receivers on the field who, you know, like, Hey, you know what? They're all going to be big play potential, but you just can't have it. And they're not and the fifth wide receiver is not going to get that much time on the field to begin with, unless they're doing special teams. So I, I, think that's what the team leaned more. I think for me, when you look at it more towards the bottom of the thing, I thought it was more telling when the Eagles came up who they're protecting. They'd rather protect John Hightower than Travis Fulgham. I thought that was pretty telling to see how far that Fulgham is falling is is low in this staff size and this front office's eyes and what he can contribute. So I, they have I think there there's a lot of speed and I think they're going to rely on their tight ends to be those physical physically the only thing I'm not I'm a little thing worried about is when it gets to the red zone, it comes to 50, 50 balls. I mean, Smith has some vertical, so I, Smith has a decent vertical, I think, it, but you can't rely. He's, they're not that, they don't have that big guy. So you, you may have to come down to, if you want to go a jump ball, you may have to either split Goddard or Ertz out the tiny wide, but you may have to bring our single wide side if you need to, if, like at the one, and you just want to throw a, throw a fade back, to the back of the end zone. It's, they don't have that size, but I think that's the role he's going to play if he gets on the field a lot at a receiver. Yeah, and I think that's the logic of having the two tight ends. I think you go very tight end heavy in, in the red zone. Um, you know, look, let's talk about the injuries now. So Brandon Brooks uh, has a knee injury. He was limited the first two days of practice. We're recording this before the final day of practice. It doesn't seem like it's going to hinder him moving into week one. It is something to monitor. Um, you know, we'll obviously have updates on the Eagles extra and on NJ.com uh, when the final injury report comes out. Uh, Roddy McLeod has been limited all week. I'm going to lean on the pessimistic side and say that uh, I don't think he plays this week. Um, I think you're relying on Anthony Harris Kayvon Wallace uh, and Marcus Seps in those safety roles. They have uh, Andre Shashir or Seishir. Seishiri. Seishiri, yeah. The the last solo always gets me. (laughs) Isn't it Seishiri? Yeah, S-H-A. Andre C. All right. Anyway, Andre C. So Andre C (laughs) can back up safety and nickel corner. Um, You know, Look, I, I think they just want to get through week one, right? Um, I wouldn't be shocked if Roddy McLeod makes his return in week two when the Eagles are back at the link. Uh, Landon Dickerson's been 
limited all week. I'd say his prospects of playing are very, very minimal. They don't really need to rush him. They cross-trade Nate Herbig at center. He can back up both guard spots. Brett Toth can back up guard and tackle. And obviously you're going to have Andre Dillard probably active as well. Um, and then Davian Taylor has been limited all week, which is a good sign, but I don't think they're going to rush him back. They have, uh, quite a bit of depth at linebacker, especially, uh, from the off, off the ball variety. You know, if you're going to start Eric Wilson and Alex Singleton, and those are going to be your two main linebackers, you have TJ Edwards and Sean Bradley to back them up. Um, I think that's fine. Um, and then look, I mean, those are the those are the injuries. So, like, if I had to guess who this, who they'd bring up from the practice squad, I'm guessing since they uh, protected Jordan Howard, Elijah Riley, John Hightower, and the Raven Clark, that they're probably going to bring up Jordan Howard and Elijah Riley to kind of fill up the safety and uh, running back rooms. Um, I'd imagine the guy, the seven guys who are inactive, are Gardner Minshew, Mister T, Teron Jackson. Uh, Landon Dickerson, probably Rodney McLeod. Um, who else am I thinking? Maybe Mac McCain, since he just got here. Uh, and then, you know, Patrick Johnson, possibly, because Singleton can play the Sam role. Uh, and so can Bradley. So, look, I, I think this is going to be one of those games where you know, they're going in relatively healthy. They've got to figure out what their depth is. But Andre C kind of gives them a human cheat code in the fact that he can play all three cornerback positions. He can play both safety positions. He has a background with Jonathan Gannon. I know he just got here, but, you know, there are only so many coverages you can learn and and, and do in the NFL, right? So um, what do you think about their health outlook? What do you think about how they are heading into this matchup against Atlanta? Well, I thought it was telling with, when it comes to Rodney McLeod when uh, we spoke with Darius Slay and he said like, yeah, uh, he sound like made it sound like he wasn't uh, going to play at all and saying because he thought he was on the pup list still. So I thought that was pretty telling, saying like, all right, McLeod sounds like he's not even going to he, he's not going to go this week. So I thought that I think overall, I, besides McLeod's injury, I don't think there's going to be there's anything too nothing too big to worry about. I think the whole thing with Brandon Brooks and his knees just being in maintenance, I don't think that's going to hinder him. I mean, seeing watching him yesterday, uh, Thursday at practice and the way he was still getting off the ball and, and working with those tandem blocks with Lane Johnson is he looked like he was fine, at least, at least from, from the outside, from the outside eye. So I thought that that's okay when it comes to there. Overall, when it comes to Shashari, I, I, I'm intrigued to see what he does. I mean, it's nice to have that versatility. But like you mentioned, when it comes to coverages, okay, well, well this defense, we know, we're probably going to play a lot of zone. And it, it, I, I just want to see what aspect he's going to play. Is he going to play more box? Is he going to play more free? Are they going to try to – or how much and how much are they going to put in his plate? That's going to be the big question. And, and also I think that will be a telling to see what, what type of defense Gannon plays because if all of a sudden we see Shashari come in and – he looks like he's playing a lot of snaps. It could we start looking like, hey, it's going to be more Indianapolis Colts type stuff. So I, I think there'll be a little, it'll be intriguing to see how much he contributes overall and, and, and to see if he makes a difference, especially with McLeod looking like he's he, he's on track to be out. Yeah, I, I agree. I think, um, look, there's like this numbers game you have to play. And I think uh, the Eagles 
are going to have to figure this out just like everybody else. At least they're not the Baltimore Ravens who have had three major injuries at running back within a week. So, um, are you healthy to take a physical to play? Yeah. I mean, it's, (laughs) yeah, I thought, I thought I was going to get a call about my knees. (laughs) I woke up from a nap. I was like, is that you John Harbaugh? (laughs) Um, but look, Let's get into the preview. Um, obviously, we don't know much about what Atlanta's going to do. We do know that they have Matt Ryan, Kyle Pitts, and Calvin Ridley on offense. And that's really been kind of the storyline heading into this one. They're also possibly going to have a rookie start at guard uh, against Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargrave. Pray for that young man. Um, but get it, let's get into this matchup. I'm going to – I'm gonna. Normally, I like to take the football-centric analysis standpoint, but I'm going to toss the hat to you, Chris, because I I know how much you've been wanting to talk and deep dive into this matchup. So go ahead, give 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 the give the listeners what they need. Well, I'll start with the when the Eagles look when they're on offense. So one thing Dean Pease likes to really do, and he's even mentioned in his introductory press conference, he wants to bring pressure everywhere from any from every on all sides. So it's. You're going to have, even though the Falcons, and I look at the things, I, just, I look at Gray Jarrett and, and Steve Means as the main guys on that defense. But there's, to me, there's not that elite, other any other elite or above average players on that end. So they can have, I think this offense can move the ball against them. The biggest thing that I'm going to key and watch are if they do bring that nickel cornerback from the slot, if you do have that cornerback, the corner blitzes, or you have these exotic blitzes how well these running backs can pick it up because Sanders in the past, Miles Sanders has some, in the past has some issues when it comes to that. He's gotten better as he's gotten older, but he's had some issues. I mean, we saw what, yeah, rookie Kenny Gainwell going to have to decipher what they're trying to do along with the offensive line. And, and, and you have Austin Scott too. So the backs are going to be critical in helping protect Jalen Hurts. I think that the Eagles second, I think we'll see a, a mixture. I think we'll see a lot more wide receiver screens than we're used to. I think it's to utilize to get the ball in these wide receivers' hands. So I think there's a there'll you the Eagles have a chance to use that wide receiver screen game as an extension of run. Like I don't think I don't think it's gonna be one of those games where you look up well, Miles it's gonna be like, well, Miles Sanders only had about 15 carries, maybe 13, 15 carries, but he had about like six targets in that just to get him out in space. I think it's gonna be one of those games. Defensively, when I look at the Eagles, it's Matt it's, Everything starts with Matt Ryan to me, and and he, you're not going to fool him a lot. He he's seen a lot. He's a veteran guy that can move the ball very. He can move the ball. He gets the ball out quickly. And now that you have you have Kyle Pitts in the middle that can occupy, well, who can line up anywhere. He's just a freaking nature. And and if he fell to the Eagles when they had him at, at sick, I can see why they trade out because everybody wanted him. But he, I think he's going to be good for years to come. And He's going to create a lot of matchup problems, especially when you don't have McLeod and you have the your biggest question marks on his team are in the secondary. Having him, not only him, but Calvin Ridley on the outside, who can run great routes and is a fast receiver, that can potentially be that's going to be very, very tough to stop as well. I think the Eagles, when it comes to running, they can control dominate the line of scrimmage against this offensive line of the Atlanta Falcons, and that's going to be key. Not only just getting pressure, but filling those gaps in the run defense. Because earlier last year. If this, if you had to say, not besides secondary, I thought their run defense early on, especially missed tackles, and that's another thing too. They ha- there hasn't been a lot of these guys haven't been playing deep, haven't played into deep in the games because of preseason. A, are how well can they tackle? And B, 
Will they be conditioned well enough so when it comes to third, fourth quarter and they're running around, will that lead to more missed tackles because they're tired and they're fading in? So I think that's going to be something else to watch when it comes to these two. But it's going to, it's going to be a I, – I, I think the Eagles match up. It, it's match up. It's going to be a close game overall, I think. Yeah, I, I, I've got this as a, as a four-point game. Um, yeah, I had the Eagles winning 24-20. I just think – if the offensive line does what it needs to do, Miles Sanders is going to have a good day on the ground. I also feel like Jalen Hurts is going to be able to find Devontae Smith. You can talk about his size all you want. I'm not a big. I'm not big on this Atlanta secondary. Um, I, I, I think. I think there will be plays to be had, and I think if you look at the tight ends and the way they progress throughout uh, the summer, I think Zach Ertz is going to surprise a lot of people with how what his yards per catch average is going to be. I think you're going to see him go down the field quite a bit more this season. Um, I think the arrival of Jason Michael has really kind of opened up his route running prowess. It's opened up his um, toolbox because, you know, he had Justin Peel for, for eight years and Justin Peel. uh, I I don't know if there's a more lucky tight ends coach in the history of the NFL. When you, when you look at uh, Brent Selleck, Zach Ertz, Dallas Goddard, Richard, inheriting Richard Rogers. Like, I think Jason Michael provides a fresh perspective, and I think he was a huge addition because he comes with the mindset of a quarterback, a quarterback's coach, and he's been an offensive coordinator. Then you have Kevin Petulo, who's who's a passing game coordinator, um, and then you have Nick Sirianni, who's hands on with the wide receivers and the tight ends. And I think that all adds up to you know improving Zach Ertz's game. Zach Ertz even said earlier uh, or last week that um, he's learned so much from Sirianni as a receiver that it was almost counterintuitive to what he was successful at before. So I think you'll see a change in Zach Ertz. I don't think he's going to light the world on fire. I don't think he's going to have a career year, but I think his work within the ecosystem of the offense is going to be completely different um, than it was under Doug Peterson, than it was under Chip Kelly. So I'm intrigued by that. Um, it remains to be seen who will be targeted more, Hurts or Goddard. But I will say Jalen Hurts exceeded my expectations exponentially with his ability to target the middle of the field during the summer. So uh, look out, Falcons defense, is what I would say. On off, you know, on defense, I, look, I, they're going to have to pressure Matt Ryan. That's just really what it is. And, and so for me... Uh, I'm really looking forward to the interior matchup. Um, I've said this for years. I think a good interior pass rush is better than an exterior pass rush because, A, it forces the quarterback out of the pocket, and, B, if it doesn't force the quarterback out of the pocket, it limits his ability to step up as a passer. So that creates situations where Brandon Graham can clean up and get a sack or Josh Sweat can get a sack. I'm very intrigued by Josh Sweat uh, and who starts in this game uh, between him and Derek Barnett. Um for your final thoughts, Chris, give me three players you're really paying attention to on on the Eagles roster heading into this matchup. Well, heading into the matchup, uh, Zach McPherson is one of them. I want to Zach. I want to see how much Zach gets into the a gets into the game and to what assignment he draws and how well he plays, especially his his rookie as a as a rookie. So I thought that's a B Devonta Smith. I mean, like is, is, we finally get to see him game action not only as a receiver but potentially as a punt returner i mean i'm, I'm curious to see how much the eagles use him in, in that as in that aspect and a third one's jordan mylotta i want to see how this is a very 
important year for him. He's now the starting left tackle, and he has a chance to make some money, a, a lot of money now, being that uh, he's he's in the final year of his contract and he's the a left tackle in the NFL. I mean, this is a big opportunity for him, and and he's he's got an important, a lot of responsibility protecting Jalen Hurts' uh, blind side. So I think that's the uh, that those are the three guys I'm really intrigued to see how well they play in in this game against the Falcons. How about you? Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna combine uh, two guys. I want to see the right side of the line. I want to see how Brandon Brooks responds with this knee injury. It, he's playing his first game since de- December or his first regular season game since December 2019. I also want to see how Lane Johnson bounce back bounces back from this ongoing ankle surgery uh, drama. Um, if you guys checked it out this week, if you've been following us on social media, you know Chris and I worked on a story. Uh, this week about how Lane Johnson's ankle injury forced him to hire a full-time trainer, Gabe Rangel, a, a former, uh, or sorry, not a former Marine, a Marine veteran um, who went from training the likes of like Diddy and Adam Levine to training MMA fighters to then training Lane Johnson. Um, you can check that out on NJ.com. Um, I'm just interested to see how that right side works. Uh, and then I'd say Jalen Rager. I, I really think Jalen Rager came into this week with a fresh mindset. I was really impressed by him in his press conference this week. But all that's window dressing if he doesn't deliver. And I think having Devontae Smith takes some pressure off of him. He doesn't have to be like a friend, like a position savior on the depth chart. He can just do his job. And I think being a number two wide receiver, if he can be a really good one, still makes him worth that pick. Uh, that was spent last year. So that's where I'm kind of at. You know, we're going to head to Atlanta on Saturday, going to check out Coke World. Is that what it's called? Coca-Cola World? Yep. Well, we had a World of Coke or Coke World, something like that for it. It's not a Scarface thing. So, yeah. But actually, <laughs> Oh, yeah. Good, good, point. good point. <laughs> I can understand the marketing there. Uh, and then we're going to check out the College Football Hall of Fame. I'm sure we'll see a lot of Devontae Smith stuff there. Um, you know, you, you're going to want to sign up for Eagles Extra, obviously. NJ.com slash text. We'll give you guys updates on inactives. We'll have detailed analysis that's exclusive to you as a member of Eagles Extra. NJ.com slash text. Also remember to subscribe wherever you subscribe to podcasts. The No Huddle Show podcast. This is the podcast that gives you all the stuff without all like kind of the BS and and, you know, the shots at colleagues and all that other stuff. But anyway, um, <laughs> you know, so with that said, uh, for Chris, I'm Mike. We'll see you soon. Yeah.